If you've been worried that things like ESG, environmental, social and governance considerations might be an incredibly expensive distraction for your business, or if you're one of the many business leaders who feels like a deer in headlights when you even hear acronyms like ESG and read articles or see conversations suggesting that businesses need to start to engage in things like environmental reporting and other mandatory requirements that are coming at us in this ever-changing landscape. If any of that is overwhelming to you and you're really longing for someone to just break it down and explain it, then this is the series for you as we together explore over five parts some of the components around ESG and what it means for your business. Welcome to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham. Let's blow up some myths, shift some mindsets and clear a bit of space for you to find clarity on how your business can be more than a moneymaker. This is the place for established business leaders like you who refuse to believe the lie that it's an either or choice that you're faced with. And instead, embrace the both and mindset that you can do good and make money. In fact, doing good is the competitive advantage your business has been missing. It's time for both success and integrity. This is the second part in a five-part series. If you haven't listened to the first one yet, I suggest you pause and jump back to episode 44, the previous one, because in that episode, I pause to make sure you and I are on the same page when we talk about ESG, so environmental, social and governance considerations and what those factors actually are for us in our business. So it's worth you listening to that episode first if you haven't yet, just to make sure that there's not any big assumptions or gaps between what I'm talking about and your understanding. Part of why I'm doing this five-part series is in recognition of the fact that to date, I have seen a real hesitation on the part of small and medium business leaders to actively engage with some of the components around environmental, social and governance. And what I think is happening is that in amongst the pressures, constraints, expectations, all of the demands that you have on you as a business leader, when something like ESG is brought up, it is typically spoken about or written about by people with deep knowledge and expertise in that area, which is great. But what it means is that it's pretty dense and I am just as uh, guilty of this as anyone. But I am trying to, through this series, 
break some of this down into more manageable bite-sized pieces and pull apart for you some of the components that I hope will tie it more practically to your business and help you start to hear some examples, be inspired about ways that other businesses are using the integration of something like ESG considerations to make the shift that I began to talk about in the previous episode from this being simply a reactive engagement that is compliance driven, that is ticking the boxes, filling in any of the uh, data or surveys that are required to get us over the line, submitting those things or having those policies and procedures in place, but then leaving it at that. The shift I want to be part of helping create for you is to help make sense of, in a more practical and manageable way, what ESG actually can mean for your business. So the episodes are going to be shorter than my previous episodes. And as I said, I'm breaking it up over multiple sessions so that we can dive into it and hopefully you can then let that sort of sit over the course of a week and come back for, for the next little uh, snippet as we go. So last week we dove into the components of what each of those factors actually are. And I also talked to you about the fact that you might just want to think about it related to people, planet and profit, if that sticks in your head easier, to kind of give it some categories. The aspect that we're going to build on today is to bring in some examples that answer a question that I have been asked many times by business leaders like you, which is, okay, Bessie, is this ESG thing just going to be a massive distraction for us in our organisation? Is it just going to cost money and distract us from actually going after the goals we've set uh, and implementing the strategy that we have in place? Now, my response to that is that it very easily could be an expensive distraction if you do two things that I'm advising you not to do. (laughs) It could be an expensive distraction if you keep putting it off and wait until you have to and are forced to, by external demands, engage with ESG. So if you keep putting this off into the category of I'll get to it one day or it's not relevant or it's not core to what we're doing, then I would argue that it is very much going to risk being something that is incredibly expensive and takes up a whole bunch of time distracting you from core business activities if you keep waiting. So you're going to increase the chance of it being an expensive distraction if you wait. And it also could be an expensive distraction if you leave it in the category of purely being compliance-driven and only trying to do the bare minimum of what external people, whether they are regulators, whether they are customers, or even your employees, if you're simply engaging with this to the level that others are forcing you to, 
then I would also argue that it could very much feel like a distraction and it could very much stay in a category where you feel like it is a waste of money and is pulling you away from what it is you actually want to and need to be doing to run your business well. I want to help you avoid that situation. And so the piece we're going to focus on today is a particular tool that you can use to help you as you run scenarios, as you sit with your team and start to think through these aspects of the environmental, social and governance components that might be playing out either positively or negative in in your business. This tool that we're going to talk through today will help keep you on track to always and unapologetically be driving towards the creation of a business model that creates a win-win. And what I mean by that is that I want your work in this space and within whether it, depending on the size of your organization, whether it's with your board that you're having some of these conversations or whether it's with your, the rest of your management team, wherever that sits for you, I want you to unapologetically be designing a business model that allows you to make money and to make good money that is a fair compensation for the value you are adding through the delivery of your products or services. So unapologetically, you are trying to make money. That is great. And you have zero objections from me. The piece that that we're adding in and that I want to help equip you to do better as part of your core business is to also be taking into consideration the components that you may to date have been seeing as not directly connected to your core business activities and starting to take those into consideration in meaningful ways that are shaping your business model at a fundamental level, that are shaping the way in which you actually operate the business, the way you make decisions, how you're allocating resources, and all of those flow-on impacts. So when we're doing this work, the tool that we'll be talking about today which I'm going to be referring to as the IDEO overlay. So IDEO are a design firm and their lens or overlay on a business model canvas is the piece that I'm going to encourage you to use to ensure that ESG does not become an expensive distraction, but that you start to use it to actually strengthen your business in ways that improve the financial stability and also increase the positive impacts you're having in the world through your core business operations. So let me talk you through what this looks like. If you're watching on the YouTube video, you will see an image of IDEO's overlay of the business model canvas shared on the screen. I will also include it in the notes. In, uh, in the show notes if you're just listening to the audio so that you can have a look. On LinkedIn, I will include it in the newsletter so that you can visually see this breakdown. But what you can think about when 
you put this overlay across your business model is that in anything you're doing in these explorations, we are wanting to have a multi-dimensional approach. We're wanting to look at it from different angles and always be seeking to design the win-win. So you will remember last week I talked about the fact that you can use ESG considerations, environmental, social and governance considerations, to help make sure you're not being one-dimensional. So with your business model canvas, the IDEO overlay gets you to think about three things, desirability, feasibility and viability. And really what this looks like, if you look at the image across the business model canvas, desirability is on the front end of your business model. And it is really where you're asking yourself and your team, do customers actually want it? So what we're designing here, what we're considering producing or delivering in terms of products or services, do customers actually want it? That's a critical question, (laughs) desirability. That's the front end of the business model. It covers your customer segments, your customer relationships, your channels, and your value proposition. On the back end of your business model is where you ask the questions related to feasibility. And this is where you're really saying, can we build and implement it? So is it actually possible for us to create this thing or build this thing or produce this thing? that we're saying is desirable for customers. Related to your business model, that covers the categories of key partners, key activities, and key resources. Then down the bottom, the bottom line here in terms of the business model itself, but also this overlay, is the aspect of viability. So this is where you ask, can we earn more money with it than we spend. So related to your business model, it's looking at cost structures and revenue streams and saying, is this actually viable? Are we going to bring in more money, as in capture value for the business, in a way that exceeds what it actually cost us to produce it? I want to give you this tool as the the piece that you keep coming back to as you explore ESG considerations, because I think it will help you relax a little bit into doing this work and thinking about these areas as they relate to your business, because you will then have it as a little bit of a safety net. As conversations or ideas start to emerge, either just with you or with your team or with your board, around which environmental factors you could look at or that are material for your business in terms of either creating opportunities or risks for you moving forward, which of the social issues are material and which aspects around governance you should be looking at and considering as an organisation. If you continue to come back to checking in that what you're looking at fits these categories of desirability for a customer, feasibility for you to actually produce it, or create it, deliver it, and viability in terms of the costs and revenue, then you will not fall into that trap of running ahead with something that seemed like a great idea but actually undermines the business. 
you will find as you either listen or watch my work or engage with me if you're a client, that this type of approach, these pragmatic ways of making sure we don't flip from one extreme to the other is going to consistently come up in how I operate. While I am encouraging you to learn to build a business that is more than a moneymaker and that allows you to genuinely build something which does good in the world and makes money, I will not ever be someone who is saying to you, you focus too much on the making money bit now, flip to the other extreme and that's all about doing good. So I will keep giving you these tools and these ideas. Something like the IDEO overlay. If you want to go into more detail and you want to understand the practicalities of taking this approach and really embedding it in how you examine and design your business model, best way for you to do that is to join the business model workshop where I will specifically teach you how to use this related to your business model. But for now, in just looking at the, the image that I've shared and thinking about those questions as framing the components of desirability around do your customers actually want it, feasibility around can we build and implement it, and viability, can we earn more money with it than we spend, they will be helpful questions for you to just check in with as you look at each of the things that emerge. So if you took some notes last week after listening to the episode or you've thought about it since and started to pull out areas that you think may be important for you to consider in each of the categories of environmental, social and governance, maybe now start to think about those related to desirability, feasibility and viability. What you will find is that if you take this approach and if you again are unapologetic about needing to design something that does both of these things, you will land in a much stronger place than you actually were in to start with when you were ignoring ESG. And this is where my broader argument comes in around you can do good and make money and in fact doing good is the competitive advantage your business has been missing. So let's go into an example here of an organisation that is taking this approach around deeply embedding ESG considerations into the strategy of the organisation, into the design of the business model itself and not simply seeing them as ticking a box or compliance related, doing the bare minimum, but is embedding them in everything they do. I've chosen this example very intentionally and it may be interesting for you to note that the example I'm using is of BRAC, which is an organization in Bangladesh, largest nonprofit in the world. They have a whole component of their organization called BRAC Enterprises and it is where they, at a remarkable scale, actually run multiple different businesses where they are putting into practice all of the things that I'm talking to you about of 
deeply embedding in the business models and the strategies these approaches that have both a business model that is financially viable, but that are also delivering a very intentional good, whether that is a particular social issue or an environmental issue. So I want to talk to you about one of their enterprises today called BRAC Dairy. And this is an interesting uh, approach that they've taken. When we think about environmental, social and governance considerations and the fact that one of the ways that it strengthens our business model and opens our thinking up is to start to take a broader group of stakeholders into consideration. In setting up and running the dairy, BRAC had some key aspects that they wanted to and were able to deliver on in the business model. One of the aspects that makes it successful is this overlay of desirability, feasibility and viability that I just shared with you as a tool. In building the business model, BRAC were clear on a few things. They wanted to have a product that could have a low enough price point enough people could engage with it in terms of getting access to dairy and the nutritional benefits that were in that space. And so they needed to create a business model that did have some price sensitivity because it needed to be accessible to more people to achieve some of the social outcomes. So if you think about the uh, ESG component, the social aspect was the critical driver here. So they knew in their business model that on that desirability end that there needed to be a good driver around price point, needed to be competitive and have a low price point. When we think about designing a business model so that it actually stacks up and that we don't get ourselves into a position where we can't tick off the box of either feasibility or viability that I spoke to you about, then there are some consequences that come from a business model that requires to a low price point or being price competitive. And they are that we need to often therefore consider aspects of how do we get economies of scale? Or how do we drive efficiencies in the back end in terms of maybe automation or other components? So this was the first component that BRAC Enterprises had to think through related to BRAC Dairy that drove the design of a business model. The second component was that for them, they also were aware of wanting to give dairy farmers fair prices and better access to market. So what you can see is that they are thinking at that bigger level looking at more stakeholders than simply their own organisation and what it's trying to achieve or how its uh, objectives or goals are met. And in the process of doing so, they end up building a stronger business model. So when they looked at what were the challenges for rural dairy farmers in Bangladesh, one of those was connected to the fact that obviously the dairy products are perishable. 
And so that made it difficult for them to reach large urban markets. What their business model could allow them to do by taking the ESG components into account and creating a win-win was to say that if they could actually build out a model that achieved scale that was necessary to achieve the social outcomes for getting dairy and the nutritional benefits to a broader population in Bangladesh, they could also simultaneously address some of the needs related to dairy farmers who had no access to market and couldn't bridge that gap around the perishable product getting to the urban markets. What they've ended up building is a dairy that accounts for 24% of the national packaged dairy products market in Bangladesh. So they've built an organisation that has over 1,400 employees. They collect milk from more than 50,000 farmers and have created this infrastructure with over 100 chilling centres where they're collecting and processing around 250,000 litres of milk every day. So the pieces that I'm wanting to draw your attention to here are that the scale of their infrastructure is allowing them to keep their own costs down in a way that means they can pay fair prices to the dairy farmers to buy that milk. They are ensuring for themselves in addressing the challenge or the pain point for the farmers, they're ensuring that they have a constant steady supply to be able to then deliver to the massive market that they are wanting to address in terms of the the dairy and nutritional benefits for their customers on that front end of the business model. This broadening out and thinking about your business model in ways that is achieving both the social or environmental outcomes you're wanting to achieve, things that you actually care about, but that is also doing it in a way that stacks up for the business and being unapologetic about that, it completely shifts and changes the even the conceptual ideas of how we might think about a business model or how we might design a certain product or service. And so I want to give you that example with one of the enterprises that BRAC has built to actually demonstrate how this approach, how a broader sense of stakeholders, how using something like both the business model canvas and then the overlay of the IDEO categories of desirability, feasibility and viability allows you to look at risks and opportunities, pain points for certain customers or partners, the gains or value propositions a customer wants and allows you to bring it all together in a way that you can play with it until you land on something that is actually a win-win, until you land on a response that means you can speak to and genuinely be contributing in positive ways that now 
intentionally consider the factors related to your environmental impacts, your social impacts and your governance practices, policies, etc. that are in place, but that have done that in a way that actually sets your organisation up for genuine long-term success and is not a distraction, is not simply the token compliance piece, but has opened you up to a whole realm of possibilities that may for you be around scale. It may be around identifying whole new markets you want to go into, new products or new services. It will look different for each of us. But I'm encouraging you to think about those aspects as you go into your own explorations of what ESG can mean within your business and to hold yourself and your team accountable for no longer avoiding or putting this off, but instead saying, We are going to engage with this as a strategic play. We are going to come at it looking to strengthen our business, looking for the competitive advantages it can give us rather than seeing it as that distraction or how can we do this in the bare minimum, you know, smallest, quickest, cheapest way possible. I want you to be genuine. I want you to explore and find connections. I want you to use these factors within ESG to bring to your attention opportunities you may never have thought about, to bring to your attention the risks that you were ignoring, which you can now actively mitigate because you become conscious of them. Those aspects are all possible when you take this approach. As you go into the next week, I really encourage you, preferably with others on your team, to have some of these conversations. Use desirability, feasibility and viability to say, let's challenge ourselves to think of two or three examples in each of the categories of environmental, social and governance, to identify two or three things in each category that are relevant and material to our business, and then use that overlay, use those questions to come up with some responses or some next steps that could be meaningful for your organisation and actually start to put a bit of excitement within the organisation that could start to make this feel like something that has possibility and that opens up options and real strengths for the organisation. I can't think of a a better way to put that, but it is – It is that shifting that it begins to move in you and your team or your board or fellow owners. It begins to shift 
the conversation around ESG into something that you proactively want to have because you're starting to see that it can in fact provide for you massive opportunities, that it can de-risk components that you've currently been ignoring and that it is actually a really powerful way for you to set yourself up for long-term success in an environment where it is no longer an option for you to ignore or be token in the way you engage with these things. I said it at the end of the previous episode, I'm going to say it again now. These types of shifts, these types of approaches where you are being more transparent and open and accountable for the impacts, positive and negative, that you are having as a result of your core business operations are moving forward a given. They are just a hygiene factor, a baseline expectation that customers will have of you, your employees will have of you, the communities you operate will have of you, and any regulatory bodies or compliance components that you have to interact with, your insurance, any investors that might look at buying into or buying your whole business, all of them will be asking these questions and will be expecting answers that aren't just surface level and pretty but have no depth to them. They will be wanting you to be able to answer in compelling ways and back that up with the evidence, the data and the results that show that you as an organisation have these components embedded and deeply integrated into the way you actually run the business. When you do that, you will completely eradicate the question that we started with, which is, oh, Bessie, is ESG just going to be a distraction and an expensive distraction at that? You will have absolutely moved into a category where engaging with these things will have set you up and strengthened your business in ways that until now you probably hadn't even realised were possible. But you will have not only a business you can be proud of because of the way it operates in the world, but also a business that has more of the financial security and stability long term because the way that it delivers or produces its products and service and the way that it actually then engages with its customers to deliver that value, captures value back into the organisation in a much more consistent and reliable way because it is on board with the expectations of a shifting global market and shifting expectations from all of the stakeholders that you are interacting with. I hope this has been helpful. Check out the IDEO overlay of desirability, feasibility, and viability. If you want to learn more, message me the words business model, and I will send you information to join us for our next business model workshop, where I can teach you in more detail about that. But otherwise, use those questions with your team this week, and join me again next week as we get into the third part of our series 
to deeply understand in practical, bite-sized pieces what ESG, environmental, social and governance considerations, actually mean for your business and how you can create an organisation that does good in the world and makes money and that is actually setting you up to be running a better business as a result of broadening the stakeholders you consider, the timeframes you take into account, and all of the components that shift your mindset from an either-or to a both-and mindset. Thank you for taking the time to listen to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham. If you found what I shared today valuable, or you think that it would be good for a fellow business leader to listen to, then please share the episode with someone you know. Another way to help the podcast is to provide a rating and written review on your podcast app of choice. The written review is important because it helps others learn more about what we're trying to achieve. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to me at any time on LinkedIn, YouTube or Instagram just by searching Bessie Graham, or you can go to BessieGraham.com. I'm Bessie Graham, and remember, you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life.